Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm super excited that you guys are here tonight. Tonight's going to be an amazing night. I have my buddy with me, Pastor Craig Brown in the house. What up? You guys know him from Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. I don't know, Twitter, <laughs> X, whatever they're called. MySpace, bro. MySpace. He's on all of them. Uh, what a powerful testimony he has. We're excited that you guys are here. We believe that God's going to touch you tonight. And we're believing that some of you that are raised in church, you've never experienced. And this is what I felt the Come Holy on. Spirit telling me about tonight. Those that have never experienced the power and the presence of God, they were just raised in church. Mm. They've heard about God from a distance. They're going to experience God tonight. They're going to experience his power, his anointing, his fire. Let's go. And I, I believe that. And I was raised in church. I was raised in religion, I call it, which we'll explain that tonight, but not in revival, not in the presence and power of God. And man, everything changed when I experienced him. So I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for being here. Episode 146 of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. As you guys know, we have no intro, so there's 600 of you on. Keep sharing it, keep liking. We just jump straight into it now because YouTube, you need to fix your trim feature. So let us know in the chat, guys. We have the chat open on our screens, where you're watching from. We'll engage with you guys. We're just gonna roll in the Holy Spirit tonight um, and just have some fun. So thanks so much, bro, for being on. Dude, what an honor to be with you guys. It's gonna be good. Your bro in the back. And, yeah, uh, the man. laugh in the back. The laugh in the back. <laughs> if you could get him to laugh tonight, bro, you won. Oh, come you on. Won. Yeah. That's my goal then for yeah, the rest yeah. of the evening. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to have you on. Why don't you give a little intro of like what you're doing now for people that maybe just don't know you. It's the first time they've heard about you. Yeah, yeah. My name is Craig, and uh, I run a ministry called Logicos Ministries, where we focus on uh, in-person teaching and preaching. So I'm a traveling preacher like yourself, written content curriculum and digital missions. Come on. So like uh, it's this crazy new thing that obviously you're doing and, and we're reaching people. And it's it's an amazing thing that we can reach people across the globe with the gospel yes. through the through online. I'm also a local church pastor in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay. And right now, the reason I'm here is because we're doing a tour from Seattle to San Diego, a mobile podcast I love uh, it. that we're filming. And so we made it here to the Central Valley to yep. hang out with you guys. And, and that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, we're at an undisclosed location right. in the Central Valley. Secret bunker. Yeah, yeah. It's I, a secret bunker. I was telling him I don't give like my where I live publicly out because some of you are weird. You just keep sending pizzas <laughs> to my address. So I'm like, we're in the Central Valley somewhere. Y'all can just guess and see me maybe at a Walmart or something. But we're super excited to have you now. How many, I know you have a large following on TikTok, like 1.567 million, something around there. How many people are you guys reaching total like on social media right now? Like monthly? Yeah. Or weekly Uh, or whatever. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like uh, monthly, it's usually like three to seven or three. Three, yeah, three to five million Crazy. views. Usually around two, two to three million different people that we incredible. reach with some form of the content. It's incredible. Yeah. What a time to be alive. I love what you use digital evangelist, digital missionary, yeah. digital apostle. These are like new terms yeah. that pastors are kind of like, oh, we're scared, but it's it's beautiful. It's the gospel going out and reaching people, and you've definitely been called to do it. I want to definitely go into your testimony. People see you on TikTok. They see you on Instagram. Maybe they don't see that full picture yeah. and that full testimony. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, and then we'll go into like how you got into digital mi- missionary work and all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, growing up, I would say this, Isaiah. When I was young and when I was a kid, my whole—I had a drug problem. Mm. 
my parents drug me to church, and for me that was hey. a problem. Hey, does it go get a laugh? Got, I got it. Got, it. got the laugh. I was out like, of you the have back. a drug problem. I didn't know that. This <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I did. Sometimes people don't get it, and they're like, "Wait, drugs?" Yeah, I was like, like mm. "No." My, listen, everybody in my family was a Christian. Forced to go to church twice mm. a week, every week. Couldn't stay the night at friend's house on Saturday because yes. we go to church on Sunday. And so here, here was my reality. If you were to ask me any age, all growing up, are you a Christian? I would have said, yeah. And the reason was because I asked Jesus into my heart, mm. and I probably did it 50 times because I was scared it didn't work the time before, but I didn't actually follow Jesus. Come on. I, I, I wanted to go somewhere when I died, and I knew what it was to go to church, but the reality is I put a mask on at church, and I was somebody else with my friends at school. I was really concerned with sports, girls, popularity, all of that, friends, and so, so it's like this double life of like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I wasn't following Jesus. Yeah. And that's how I lived for about 17 years until I woke up. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people out there watching were raised in church, but not raised in Christ. And we have, we bring our kids to church thinking, I'm just going to let the church disciple them or teach them, but they never have, in my opinion, that experience or that encounter with God or that one-on-one -on -one they have with God. And for me, I'm like, man, I want my kids to be in the presence of God. I right. want to put them in a place where they can experience God. Because I know for me, I was also raised in church. I went to every purity conference. I had a little <laughs> card that said, you know, I we're going to wait. Yeah, gonna, you yep. I have like four of those in my wallet. And I was, but then I ended up just going the opposite direction because I felt like God wasn't real. I didn't really see God. Mind you, the church I was raised in was kind of like, oh, there was not no, no real power of God, no real miracles, no real demonstration. Right. And then I'd read the Bible and I'm like, God is moving all throughout the scripture, yet I didn't see the move of God at my church or right. in my life. And I don't want to blame the church and the church I was raised in for that. Of course, I had my own issues and stuff like that. But I think there's a lot of people watching that have that same testimony. And they think their testimony is not powerful because they say, well, I didn't come out of drugs or I didn't come out of drinking. Right. My thing is the best testimony is not what God brought you out of. It's what God kept you out of. And so I pray over my kids. I pray they have the most boring testimony ever, you know, in a sense. <laughs> right, right, I'm right, like, right. I don't want them to have this testimony where they are out in the world and out partying. And so your right. testimony is you were raised in church. You were raised in Christianity. What? How did you go from just being raised in, we, we titled this leaving religion. Right. Um, we'll get into that. What is religion? All that. But what happened in your life where you're like, I need to stop playing games with God. And let me just say this, because I feel the Holy Spirit. There are some of you tonight that need to stop playing games with God. That's you're watching right. this right now. You're going through the motions. You're lukewarm. You've lived this dry Christianity. This is a prophetic word for you. This is a message for you that you need to get right with God. That's you right. need to turn from that religion and let the Holy Spirit encounter you. And in reality, religion is what brought Jesus to the cross. Right. I'm like, we always say like, right, it's a right, demon, right, right. it's the devil. I'm like, it was religion right. that brought him to the cross. And so talk a little bit about growing up in religion and then how you ended yeah, up Yeah, I will. Oh, man, now we're preaching already. Come so on. yeah, let me just touch real quick then because yeah. you're, you're addressing them that what... What you're going to find, and, and I believe that receive tonight, is that God's going to awaken your eyes and your heart to the fact that, that the practices of religion, if you're doing things for God and it's not flowing from a, rela a actual relationship yes. with God based on the presence of God in your life, you're always going to feel dry. You're always going to feel Come burnt on. up. You're always going to feel like you're just using religion because the... The works have to be an overflow of relationship. Mm. And so I know that we've done this these terms over the last 10 years of, oh, relationship, not religion. And some people refuted that, but we'll talk about that tonight, what we mean by that, religion versus relationship. But for me, what it looked like was this. I, uh, I, 
I believed, I actually believed that Jesus existed. So here's what's distinct for me is sometimes it's like, you're saying you're a Christian, but you don't really believe it. I think I really believed it. Mm. Um, I believed that he lived 2,000 years ago. I believed he died on the cross. I just didn't really care to have it influence my life now. Come on. I'm a teenager. I want to go to college. This was my thought, Isaiah. There's definitely like one day when I'm older that I should probably like follow him. But my picture of who God was is that he's like this cosmic killjoy that if I actually start following him for real right now, my life is going to be boring, lame, and... And I just thought he just wanted to take away my fun. So I always thought to myself, well, I'm saved, so if I die, I'll go to heaven, but I'm really going to follow him later in life after I get through college and do everything that I really want to do, right? And so I'm, like, trying to, like, play both sides of, like, oh, yeah, God, but really live in the world. And so what happened in, in that process was I started dating this girl because she was on the volleyball team, she was a cheerleader, I thought she was good looking, but but my my thought was like, oh, she's a real Christian. Mm. Maybe she'll like drag me up a little bit. Yeah. But what happened is what always happens, is that when you're living in sin, sin drags down instead of the other way. Mm. And so I started dragging her down, our relationship's going down, we're crashing and burning, and really the catalyst for my real conversion was, remember we were breaking up on the front porch of my parents' house, and she preached the best sermon that anybody ever preached to me. <laughs> the breakup sermon. The breakup sermon. And it was short and simple, Isaiah. She said this, when are you going to start living your faith for yourself and stop living it through me? Mm, that's a word. And it was like, wow. And so what God did is he used that. And I felt like in, in that season, I don't know how it was, that summer between my junior and senior year of high school, I felt like God simply said, hey, Craig, do you believe in me? And I was like, Yeah. He goes, really? Because you don't act like it. Wow. And it was like this supernatural slap in the face. And I don't know how else to describe it other than I feel like scales fell off my eyes. I could finally see the world for what it was, my life and my hypocrisy for what it was. And I could see God for who he was. And I just knew like, this is your invitation. I actually felt like God even said this. Hey, if you don't believe me, that's fine. Live your life and just stop telling people that you do. Wow. Just stop calling yourself oh, a Christian and just bad. go do your some thing. Of, some of them in the <laughs> chat are living that right now. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, but if you're calling yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a little Christ, but you're not, just stop saying it. Yeah. And uh, and I and I just finally knew God is real and this is about relationship with him. And 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 I, and I was awakened to this thought. If God is actually real, it should change everything. Mm. So August 2nd, 2002, I decided to get baptized. And for me, that was the day that I stopped being a Christian and I actually started following Jesus. Mm. And when I say stop being a Christian, I mean just a worldly title, just didn't really live for him. But my life, like repentance actually took place for me in that moment. I turned 180 degrees, I went a different direction, and everything started to change. That's so good. That's so good because I think a lot of people live that life, especially in America. We have such a... Well, I say this all the time, but it's a watered down, it's a plastic, it's a synthetic Christianity where we have, I call it the 90 minute God, where you just go for 90 minutes, you praise, you worship, and then we ignore him all week long. And we're all just trying to get to heaven one day. And God is more like a fire escape or an insurance policy. You wreck your life. You pull God out of the glove box. We we think he's like Jehovah Genie. I'm just going to rub the Bible and hopefully God pops out. And I, I feel so relating. I relate so much to your testimony because I grew up very similar thinking 
when I'm 30, and for the young people watching, I know there's a lot of young people that watch because we have cool lights and cool cameras. I used to think like when I'm 30, I'll I'll go to church finally. Right. I'm gonna like sleep with as many people and do as much bad things as I can. And then when I'm 30, but the thing I didn't realize was I didn't have time. Like tomorrow, and there's an urgency even tonight because tomorrow's not promised. Like at any moment, you can be standing before God and God is either gonna say, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, good and faithful servant. Right. And I thought, I thought about that like, Man, I thought I was going to hear well done when I had not done anything for God. Like, what is God going to say well done about when I hadn't done anything? And then I decided, well, because Christianity and religion is fake and dry, I'm just going to be, I was the worst, worst atheist of all time, but I was like, I'm going to be an atheist. I'm just going to not believe there's a God. And maybe one day, and then I end up 19, stepping foot in the church and getting rocked by God. And I'm believing for that for people that watch this on the replay, watch this live, because right. There's so many people in America that are just going through the motions that are going to stand before God and meet Jesus for the first time on Judgment Day. Like, think about that. You don't want to meet Jesus for the first time on Judgment Day. Now, the Bible says now's the day of salvation. Right. Not today. That's a, a translation says today's the day. It's not what the Bible says. It says now is the day. So that means like when you're drowning, you don't need someone to save you today. You need someone to save you now. It's not like, right, oh, right, right, save right. me later at six o'clock. Right, right, like, right, right. Now's the day. If you're watching this live, now's the day to say, I could relate to what Craig's saying. I'm in, I'm in that exact position. I'm going through the motions. I'm living this watered down, lukewarm lifestyle. I'm not stepping out and praying for the sick. I'm not stepping out and discipling anybody. I'm not baptizing anybody. I'm just going through the motions. And I also want to leave religion. And this makes people mad. People were commenting like, oh, you're going to leave Christianity. They thought today was like the stream right. where we were going to de- <laughs> No way, they people. It? They call it like uh, deconstruct, right? Like yeah, this is the day. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. were in my chat like, oh, Isaiah's leaving Christianity. We're when we're talking about leaving religion, we are talking about the 90 minute God. Right, right, right. We're yeah. talking it's important to to hit what we mean when we say yes. that because it's it's the it's the process of of going and doing religious things without an actual relationship yes. with God. And I want to add to what you're just you were just preaching there a minute because what I think people are gonna get to is this I this idea that like if you if you follow God really and you go all in and you it's the right thing to do, mm. and then God is going to know you, and you're going to get... But here's the thing. It's actually the better thing for you to do. Come on. It's, it's not just the right thing. It's, it's what you've always wanted. Because we've, what, what religion has taught us is that these are what, this is what you should do, mm. and so you, you almost get guilted in or feared into really serving him. But then even doing discipleship and all of those things you mentioned, we're, we're doing because we're obligated or we're following the rules because because we know God is real and I don't want him to reject me on the last day. And all that's true and there should be a holy reverence and fear for the Lord. But the truth is like following God is the best life that you Come want. On. Come on. And God's commandments for you are never like God doesn't just give arbitrary commandments. Okay, I'll just I'll just ask him to do this or this and this just to see if they'll follow me just to see if I can get them to prove that they actually believe in me. Mm. No, no, every commandment that God gives is both for his glory and our good. Come on. So when it comes to, am I allowed to say? You're preaching. S-E- Go ahead. When it comes to sex, like, listen, friends, it's not just, oh, I'm going to do it God's way because I'm supposed to because I'm a real Christian. God's plan for sex is the best plan. Yes. God's plan for whatever it is is the best plan. It's just that we've convinced ourselves that that doing it the world's way is, is actually what's going to fulfill us, but I should do it God's way. No, no. God's way is 
is best for us. Yeah. I always say, You like, come alive in that. The cross isn't a subtraction. It's a plus sign. And that sounds so cliche. Like, oh, but the cross adds to your life. Right. And I thought the same thing you're saying. And there's a lot of people, especially young people that think this. I always thought God was boring. I'm like, God is right. boring, as you said. There's nothing fun about it. But the reality is American Christianity is boring. But true <laughs> biblical Christianity the disciples weren't bored. Like when you see somebody coming out of a wheelchair or a layman at the front and acts of the gate called beautiful, no one's like, oh, let's go play Call of Duty. This is boring. Right. Right. No one <laughs> like when we're casting out demons and we're actually doing the work. And I see Mapal in the chat who's who's this guy's a terrorist for the, for God. I mean, he terrorizes the kingdom of darkness. He's out there in the streets. If you guys go to Mapal's channel, he's out there praying for people, casting out demons, doing nothing's boring about it. Like there's nothing boring about the life of discipleship, the life of following Jesus. But here's what is boring. 90 minutes, three fast songs, two slow songs, which we all should be in church, by the way. Right, I'm, absolutely. A I'm, a, I'm a part of a local church. I pastored for 10 years. I believe in local church. When you just have three fast songs, two slow songs, 25 minute sermon, four minute altar call, and then you go home and there's no reality of God. Right. Why would you give everything for that? Of course you're going to feel dry. Yeah. Oh, my faith is so dry. What? Yeah. yeah. There's no there's no action. There's no activity. And I think <laughs> what God is doing now is he's raising up some of these young guys. And, you know, we're trying to be young, but we're, we're getting in our 30s and all that. We don't say our ages here. <laughs> but there's some young guys I'm watching, like, for example, like Mapalo, because I see him in the chat that are so radical for God, that right. are unfiltered, that are excited, that are passionate. And these are these John the Baptist trailblazers that just don't care what religious people have to say. And I know the religious people are like, well, you need to calm down, brother. You and it's like, no, because I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be dry like you. I don't want to be complacent like you. I want to burn with the same fire they had. Man, I feel the fire of God in here. Hello. We can turn the AC lower. <laughs> but I want to burn with that same passion and that same fire. Right. You know, I think back to when I was sitting in church, I wish. And I know I'm loud. I know I'm Hispanic and Italian, and I'm loud, and I scream, and I sweat, and all that. I wish somebody would have, when I was 15 in church, would have looked at me and said, there's so much more for you. Like, you can lay hands, you can pray for people, you can preach in your school, you could reach. Like, I wanted someone so bad to say, there's more than this. Right. There's more than just going to church on Sunday, which I think all of us should do. Absolutely. But, but like, I wish someone would have told me, God works on Monday, God works on Tuesday, God works on Wednesday, God works on Thursday, um, Man, I wish somebody would have told me that. I wish yeah. someone would have been just on fire, like I mean, on fire and preached to me like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think to t touch on something you hit, you hit on earlier is when when you and I were growing up, which is you know we're both in our thirties, but in the nineties it was like yeah, everybody's a Christian. Yes. A and it and eighty, you know, most of them are. It's just lukewarm, like I was. And obviously, the way that America's going is terrible. Yes. And there's a lot of bad things to it. But I will say this. I wonder if you agree. God always uses everything, no matter what it is. Yes. And so, some of what I love about the way that it's going, obviously I don't want the nation to turn to demonic things like it is and all that, but what I think God is inviting us into now is you can't just get by with, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, Come it's on. not it's not the thing anymore. It's not everybody's a Christian. It's not the popular thing to just say you're a Christian. Now is the time where it's like, you got to go all in or, yes. or you're going to be out in a few years because it's just not going to. And so I praise God for that, that the nation, the way that it's going is like, it's inviting us to really be all in. Yeah. 
Yeah, and get off the middle fe the fence. Because when you live on that, and some of you are going to, this is going to hit different for you because you're a terrible sinner because you claim to be a Christian, and you're a terrible Christian because you're sinning. Exactly. Like that middle ground is so draining. And some of you, I hear the Holy Spirit it's saying, you're worst. exhausted. Like you're so tired of being fake. You're so tired of putting on a mask. And it's like trying to dress up to go through an x-ray. Like you think God doesn't see past the fakeness. God doesn't see the past the hypocrisy. And God is really calling you out. This is what this whole stream, your story is really about is leaving that lukewarmness, leaving that complacency, leaving that, was that the fake Mapolo I see in the chat? Okay, we're gonna get the fake people out here. <laughs> leaving those, leaving those, uh, that lukewarmness and that complacency behind and just really walking after God, really walking in the spirit. And that's what we're that's calling right. you guys. So how did you go? So now well, let me are. just, yeah, we'll go yeah, one more thing. The most miserable person in the world is the person that's half in for God mm. because you're not fully living in the world and enjoying quote unquote, air quotes, the sin of the world, and you're not fully able to embrace yes. the anointing and the Holy Ghost and, and all that the kingdom of God has. And so let me just say this because I know that there's somebody listening. You feel like you're, there's a war inside your soul and you feel like you're miserable, but let me just tell you this, friend. The fact that you're not callous to the Holy Spirit and completely released to the ways of the world is a blessing for you because the worst wrath of God that you could sit under is him saying, okay, I'm gonna go send you fully into your sin. Mm. So the fact that you still feel conviction and you feel a war in you is a blessing to you, but you need to repent and go all in because you're, number one, you're never gonna feel alive until you're all in with God. Yes. You're gonna live in this misery place place of like oh i believe in god but why is my life yeah because you're half in you can't mm. you can't embrace the blessings of god by dating somebody else on the side yeah you got to be wholly surrendered to him um but i just want to say this because i i feel like in the spirit there's somebody listening the conviction that you feel is a blessing from god yes if you didn't feel it you'd be turned over completely and so you need to repent now before you call because this is what sin this is what happens when you don't respond to conviction it adds a layer of callous wow it adds a layer of callous and so the, the fact that you could still hear from the holy spirit is a gift and a grace to you but do not keep going down that road until you've deafened your ears to him yes so it's yeah. time okay it's, so it's what was the, your question? no the more the more you sin the easier it becomes the next time it doesn't hurt as bad right one person said you know you truly repented if you hate the sin after you do it if you're at that place where you're you're comfortable or you're listening to this and you're not convicted at all and you're not moved at all and you don't feel that piercing conviction then that's a, that's a sad place to be that's a place where romans one where god exactly. turns you over to a reprobate mind where you no longer feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You no longer, or you're mad at the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Right. You're mad at when someone like us gets up and says, you need to be all in. You need to serve God. You need to repent. And there's no movement. If you're, listen, if you're sleeping with your girlfriend, there should be a conviction tonight. There should be a pain Come in your on. stomach. When you, I remember, I have this vivid memory. I first got saved. And this sounds so trivial. Some of you in the chat are like, that's not even a big deal. But this is how sensitive I was. I, I just barely was saved. I was at work, working at Starbucks, and we were going over the schedule. And again, this sounds so almost dumb when I'm about to say in trivial, but I just want to show you guys how sensitive I was to the Holy Spirit. Somebody started talking bad about my boss, which we all did all the time. We're like, he messed up my schedule. But I remember as they were like gossiping about him and bad-mouthing him, I was just a Christian a couple days, so I, I was new to everything. I started feeling sick to my stomach. I'm like, what is that feeling? What I didn't realize was it was the Holy Spirit being grieved because of slander, because of gossip, right. because of the vision. And I was like, Lord, I don't ever want to lose that. 
Like, I don't want to be able to watch something inappropriate on the internet and not feel sick to my stomach. Right. I don't want to get around people that are drinking and be okay with it. I don't want to get around people that are blast. Like, how could you guys watch movies that blaspheme the cross, that blaspheme Jesus, and you don't have a stomach ache? Like, how is it we've lost that? So, man, my prayer is always, Lord, I don't want to lose that sensitivity. Right. I don't want to get numb to the Holy Spirit, to the move of God, to the conviction. I want to continue to, to live in that. So if some of you tonight are like, oh man, I felt fine around gossip. When people are gossiping about my pastor, I feel okay. That's a bad place to be. Right. Like I want to feel convicted. I want to feel gross inside when someone is cursing or when someone is mocking God or when, and I'm not talking about when you're at work trying to witness and someone's cussing. That's not what I'm saying. But there should be a conviction about us where we're like, oh, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to, I don't want to talk no, this what way. What you're touching on is so key, Isaiah, because what, what we think to ourselves is like, oh, if I'm really going to be a Christian, I shouldn't do blank, mm. which is true. But what happens when the Holy Spirit actually takes residence yes. in your life is you look back on your life and the inventory that you see is, I've been changed and converted from the inside out. Like that was when I look back on what God did in my life. And when did that conversion happen? When, because there's people watching. For me, it was January 12th, 2011 at the altar. When I was raised in church like you, became a worst atheist in history, and then ended up at the altar in that moment where I was, I call it when I was born again. And I want to be careful because I don't think everyone has to have this emotional experience like I had. Some people is like, Matthew, follow me. Some people right. is like Saul where he gets knocked to the ground. Like, right. Everyone has a different encounter. Was there a moment where you're like, everything changes today? I'm, well, I'm following. Yeah, I would say for me, it was that day I got baptized. Okay. I believed in God before that. But when I got baptized, that was my moment of saying, I am like Romans. I'm dying to yes. the old life. I'm dying to the old ways. And everything, the, the definition of repentance is 180 degrees. Mm. It started for me that day. But what? But as I look back, like I recently did a podcast interview with somebody that is an atheist, and 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 he he brings up like for example, well, uh, the new the new pictures from the James Webb tele telescope and blah blah blah, and he's kind of posing this question of like, hey, what would you do if scientific evidence proved what you believe? And I and I just I look at him and I say, hey, the reality of where I sit right now is, I think that that my belief is actually more rational than yes. other beliefs and that their faith is not just the absence of any reason. It, there's still faith, but we have reasons yes. and rationality. But I don't just do things that I should do because it's what the book says. I noticed when I actually surrender my life to God and I look back on my life, the things that, the, that Christians should do are the things that I actually wanted to do and there's nothing that no preacher no anything could because you can change your behavior yeah. like you can do behavior modification if you try really hard like i can stop having sex with my girlfriend or stop looking at porn yep. like because i know that it's right but what you can't do like tickling yourself and really making yourself what you can't do is actually convince yourself to no longer desire it that's good and so what i that's noticed heavy. isaiah that I knew that God was doing a work in me is that I and I was responding to him. It's a it's a cooperation. And I don't want to address that because somebody in the chat says repentance comes from metanoia, which it does, and God does that in a, in you, not us. Well, it's to it's, it's both. Together. He always works first, but we have to respond. Yes. And then and so it's both. But what I look back and I said, I noticed that I actually wanted to give money. 
You can't just you can yeah. give money, yeah. but you can't make yourself desire That's to good. give money. I actually wanted to stop looking at porn because there was a desire for purity. I remember I was dating a girl and she said, Hey, can you please not look at porn? I know a lot of guys do that. And I said, Hey, you don't need to ask me. I'm not gonna do it, not do it for you. It's because I follow God. Yes. I don't want to do that. So I started to notice that from the inside out, my life changed. It wasn't just behavior modification. That's it good. was transformation. And so I said to this guy, I said, hey, the honest truth is, I it doesn't matter what facts come out. I actually know God. Mm. It would be like this. It would be like if a scientific study came out that said, wow, Craig, Je Jessica Brown actually doesn't exist. You're schizophrenic. She's actually a figment of your imagination. And here's the science to back it up. I say, listen, I, I don't care what your report says. I actually know her. Yeah. I know her. Yeah. So, and that's how I feel about the Holy Spirit. Yes. I don't just believe facts about him, and I don't just do Bible religious things. I know God. That's so good. And so if you're watching this tonight, and you don't know that you know that you know God, I'm praying that God will encounter you. Because it changes everything when what you do for God and what you believe flows from an inner Holy Spirit, like knowledge relationship. Like Paul writes this, he says, I know him whom I've believed in 2 Timothy. Yeah. At the end of his life, when he's like, hey, I'm not ashamed of all this. Yep. I'm not ashamed of being put in jail. And, all. and he's, he's encouraging Timothy, like, lay down your life for this thing. And then he says this unique thing, and a lot of people read over it. He says, because I know him whom I have believed. And I think a lot of people believe in God, and they mm. really believe. But but there's not like that deep inner, I really know him whom I've believed. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I think getting to a place, just to add to what you're saying, where it's not that I have to do this for God, it's that I get to. Like, I want to be in a place, and I pray this all the time, I want to be in a place where I want to read the Bible. Not where I'm, now there are moments, I want to be very clear, where I force myself, my flesh doesn't 100%. want to, and we get that, the, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing, the disciples fall asleep, Jesus is like, there's a yes in you. Your flesh doesn't want to stay awake right. right now, but your spirit is willing. So when I don't feel it, I go like, okay, there's a yes in me. I'm going to find that yes. My spirit wants to. But for the most part, I want to live my life in a way where it's like, man, I want to minister to people. Right, right, I right. I have, I like you said, I desire to preach to people. I desire to pray for my family. And if you guys feel like, man, this is such, I'm forcing this, it might be that you don't know Jesus. It might be that you need to cry out to God and say, Lord, I want to know you. Like, I don't just want to know about you. I don't want to know what someone else told me. I want to really know you for myself. And this is where you leave religion when religion is just knowing about him, but it's not knowing him. And there's people that are like, oh yeah, they meet me and I love it. And we talk and maybe it's at the grocery store. Maybe it's at an event we do. And they're like, oh, I feel like I know you because I follow you on social media. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, you don't know me. Like, you know about me, and that's great. And you see me online, and I'm preaching, but, like, you don't really know me. You just, right. because you've watched me or heard about me, you think you know me. Like, I want to really know God. I don't just want to know God through a podcast. I don't just want to know God through my parents. I don't just want to know God through a preacher, through a pastor. Like, I really want to know God for real, and that's the cry of my heart. I know it's the cry of your heart. It should be the cry of our heart. So now here you are. 
You've left, you're leaving that religious mindset. You're leaving that, I was just raised in church, which by the way, every one of you need to leave that religious mindset. The Bible says true religion is taken after the orphan and the widow. So there is a true religion. Now, if there's a true religion, that means there's a fake religion or a false religion. What was the false religion? Well, ask the Pharisees and Sadducees. It was going through the motions. It was just going to church on Sunday, going to the synagogue, doing the sacrifices. But then Jesus shows up and they didn't know him. And Jesus goes, you know the weather, but the son of man stands in front of you and you don't even recognize the son of man. And that, and again, this goes back to your testimony. Yeah, 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 yeah. Knowing about him through the religious sacraments of, well, I go to church, I go to the purity conference, I go to a choir of the fire, right? We go to all these events, but never really knowing him. Now you get baptized, you really know him. Where do you go from there after getting baptized? So even though I grew up in church, it was actually a young life leader that started discipling me. And he took me... You know, he invited me into this small group every Sunday night where we're reading the Bible, we're like learning about Come God. On. And so for me, that that was my discipleship journey my senior year. Of course, I was still going to church and all that, but what happened was by the by the time I graduated, so much in my life had changed. And it was it was just through simple things. It wasn't like this, it was just weekly like learning what it was to read the Bible and things like this. And then Basically, I was going to go to a state school or something like that for college. You know, uh, I grew up in Washington, so maybe WSU or Western or something like that. But this person had had literally, like, in a sense, been like Jesus to me. And, and yeah. he went to this little Christian college in town. So I was like, well, I want to go there because I want to be like him. Mm. And so I ended up going to this Christian college. No intention of, like, studying theology or anything like that. Uh, but I was like, well, I'll do Young Life. Like, this has changed, helped change my life. So... I go to the school, and then my freshman year of college, a, fr a friend says, hey, I think you're supposed to go on this uh, missions trip to Greece this summer. Come and on. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't know how, I don't know how it ended up happening. Somehow I went, we like wrote a letter and people paid money and I went and I, and I get to the training camp for this thing. And it's a month long missions trip in Greece. And I didn't even know enough to know that it was actually for high school kids. And if you're in college, you're a leader. Oh, wow. So I ended up going to, to Greece for a month. And now I'm a leader of these high school kids. And we're every day on the streets with the little track. Young people, you don't know what this is. It's like a little <laughs> book. Gen Z, you know nothing about tracks. It's a little book that like paper if talks about yeah, like what the message of the gospel is. We're on the street every day in Greece just cold preaching the gospel to people. And so I'm like thrown into like ministry and trying to lead these guys. There was so many crashes and burns. Like I offended this kid. He's like, I'm leaving your small group. You're terrible. You embarrass me in front of everybody. I don't know that we led anybody to the Lord in a month. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't recall anybody giving their life to Jesus, but I do know this. I was standing on the beach in Macedonia and we did like, it was kind of like one of those things where you do a show or a little dance. Like yeah. I was on the dance team or whatever, but it, draw, <laughs> like, dance. Yeah, it like draws a crowd and then you do a little show, draws a crowd and then you go and you preach. And I know this, I'm standing on the beach in Macedonia and there's a crowd of people in front of me and I start sharing the gospel and I, and I feel for the first time in my life, I'm not like talking. Wow. The Holy Spirit is speaking through me. This is like, unlike anything I've ever felt, God is using me, and it was crazy. And so it was that summer, it was my second great awakening. It was in that time where I felt like God said, I'm calling you to this because 
there's nothing more important that you can do for your li- with your life wow. than to help people know me. And, it, and this is the reality. is like, if God is actually real, why, how could I... Now, now, let me just caveat it like this. I can't give myself to any other career, no matter how much I make, no matter what status, no matter whatever. I have to help people know Jesus. Yes. That's the mark on my life. I think that that should be the mark on every true Christian's life. But my caveat is this. I do believe that some are called to be doctors, yes. lawyer, stay-at-home mom, work at barista. Like, I don't think everybody should work in the church. Yeah. But I do think that every person is called to build God's kingdom, however mm. God has equipped and graced you to build it. So just because it used to be like in the 50s through the 90s, oh, like the pastor's job is to yeah. lead people to the Lord. No. Our job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Yes. Everybody's job is to build the kingdom, to do the work of the ministry. So I don't think everybody's called the full-time ministry. I am, but everybody that's a Christian, a true follower of Jesus, should be used by God in whatever vocation God's called them to. Yeah, I think the general, all of us are like thinking God is hiding his plan. Like, what is God's plan for my life? God doesn't want us to know, but he tells the disciples, go preach the gospel, go heal the sick, Go cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, make disciples, all these things. And I tell people, whatever area of society you're in, do those things. Preach the gospel, make disciples. Wherever you're watching from right now, all over the world, there's about 2,000 of you. You can literally do what Jesus told the disciples to do. You can pray for the sick. You can cast out demons. You can raise the dead. You can cleanse the leper. Well, how could I do that? Because Christ, the power of God, lives in you. So rather than the call of God be shrouded in this mystery, it's very simple. Go and make disciples wherever you are, whether it's at school, at work, but we all think, well, that's just the pastor's job. That's not my calling. That's not my job. Yet the Bible says all of us are called to do the work of the evangelist, which is sharing the good news, declaring that Jesus is real. So here you are now, you go through Bible college, you graduate Bible college. Yeah, so I came back from Greece. That was before my sophomore year of college, and I was going to a Christian college, and now I'm like, I'm all in. Yeah, how old are you at the time? I'm marked 20. Okay. Something like that. So I start studying theology. Um, And and it it started from a place of like, I, I love God now, and I know that my call is to reach the world for him. So I start studying theology, and I find myself at the end of my senior year with academic information. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's an amazing thing. But I had like another encounter with God. I'm, I'm walking across my campus my senior year. And I felt like God said to me, have you exchanged information about me for relationship with me? Mm. And so it was like this other, this another moment of clarity where it's like academics and theology is good. But when you start thinking that my whole thing is knowing everything about the Bible and all this. Yes. And I'm the Bible time guy now. Like, that's what I do is I teach the Bible, but you just have to keep things in the right order. Relationship with him is what it's all about. And, uh, and like, you just have to make sure that it's not all about everything that I know because, dude, there's, there are Bible professors in colleges across this land that don't even know God. Yeah. There, there are, Functionally atheist Bible professors all across this land. So you have to be really careful. Yeah. That you don't just let I mean, Jesus says in John chapter five, I think five thirty-nine, I think he says, You diligently study the scripture. You talk about what's religion. Yeah. Here's one piece of it. He says to the Pharisees, You diligently study the scriptures because you think in them you have life. 
but they testify about me, and you refuse to come to me to have life. Yes. So the scriptures aren't bad. They're from God. But don't make it your religion about the scripture. All they do is testify about Jesus to have a relationship with him. And so here I am. Now I'm, I'm the Bible time guy trying to teach the Bible to people because I believe eating from the word of God is what gives you life. But it's not the most important thing. It's an avenue to the most important thing, which is him. That's so good. It's all about Jesus. It seems like a lot of people, and I'm not going to call people out by name here, but online, especially on YouTube, the sentiment is the guys that claim to be the most Bible knowledgeable or they know the Bible the most walk in the power of the spirit the least and they're very against and they say they're not but they are practical cessations they don't say they are <laughs> but they don't walk in the spirit they don't walk in the gifts and they're always against the charismatics they're always against the pentecostals they're always against those that believe in the spirit and they always think well you guys are dumb we're super smart because we know all this bible knowledge but the thing is like where does that transform your life where does that get you out of just teaching it and living it because when you stand before God, God's not going to say, did you know the Bible? He's going to say, did you live the Bible? He's right. not going to be like, oh, quote me 25 verses and get in. He's going to say, did you know me? So we know it's not just about having Bible knowledge, which we both do. I do verse by verse. I love the Bible. I'm trying to teach through the entire New Testament verse by verse. It's taking me like 10 years, but I'm working through <laughs> yeah. it. You do Bible time. You're always in the scripture. You have a theology podcast. And yet we both, if there's someone that has a demon, we're going to cast it out. If there's someone that's sick, we're going to lay hands and pray for the sick. If there's somebody that is hurting and broken, we're going to say, Lord, would you give us a prophetic word, a prophetic utterance for them? Like yeah. we believe in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in 1 Corinthians 14. What is it that these guys have so much head knowledge, they know the word so much, but they do the least when it comes to the supernatural? And you kind of started going a little bit down that road, yes, being I like, did. I know the Bible better, and you get in these Bible battles, these theology battles, yet you look at the person's life and go, there's no fruit. And when I mean fruit, I don't mean like peace, joy, love. I mean like literal fruit of people being changed, people being discipled, because one thing we see with all the disciples was they actually walked in the power of God. Right. There's no disciples in the book of Acts that didn't walk in the Spirit, that didn't walk in the power of God. You, you started getting a little bit like a hard-hearted towards the gifts and the supernatural. Talk a little bit about that and your journey there. Yeah, uh, I graduate, and man, it, it is a dangerous thing to hand a young man And now man you a, have a theology degree. Yeah. You're smarter than all the charismatics. It, it's a dangerous thing to hand a young man a, a theology education yeah. because if you're not discipled well in it, you can become so I know everything. Yeah. And that's who I was at 23. I remember I started dating my wife, when we were just dating, we would visit churches, and there. this is literally a story. There was a day we sat in the car after church, and she says, I'm not going to go to another church with you ever again. I'm not going to visit a church with you. You have something to say about everything. Oh, you're that guy. I didn't matter if it was the sermon, the preacher, the worship team, the greeting team at the door. <laughs> I had a theological, this is why they're doing it wrong, because I thought I knew everything. And so when it came to the like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I wasn't a cessationist in that, oh, I don't, like the way some are, where like, yeah. no, literally, it stopped in the time of Acts, which, where did, that's just crazy. It's but, dumb. I'll like, say where this is my podcast, it's dumb, but like, go ahead. Yeah, like, where do we get this? Just because you've never experienced it, you're going to impute upon the scriptures that it yeah. somehow stopped. But anyway, I wasn't like that. It just was, like you said, functionally, like, I never really was taught either way about it when I was growing up. And then in, in school, we didn't really talk about it, but I... Felt I knew the Bible, I knew theology, I knew all this. So I would go to like charismatic churches and I just would feel like 
Like if I saw somebody speaking in tongues on the microphone without an, an interpretation, yeah. I'd be like, that's clearly clearly against the Bible. Like yeah. you're sinning. Or if I would go to like a, a prophetic meeting, I never experienced that before. And so through the lens with which I was viewing it, I was like, this is so generic. This is all about money. Like what, like what is this? Mm. So I started to develop this like jadedness towards some of the, the things of the spirit. But Isaiah, there was always like a part of me that knew. It's like I lived in this tension of, on the one hand, I'm kind of like angry and feeling like these people are out of hand. It's out of line. It's out of order. But on the other hand, deep down, I knew that there was more to the presence of God that I wasn't experiencing. And so in my heart, there was this cry just between me and God where I said, Lord, if it's from you, this, this, or that, if it's actually from you, I want it. Mm. But if it's man-made, if it's manufactured, if it's if it's this slick televangelist manipulation to get money or to get clout or like I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. I don't want fake. I want what's real. And so that was the genuine heart. And and by God's grace, and maybe it's another story, I ended up being a com- be- becoming a part of this charismatic spirit-filled church. Because for the first time in my life, I saw people that believed in the fullness mm. of the Spirit, but they weren't weird from my perspective. Yeah. So I get involved, and now all of a sudden, this is like my church. And and now all of a sudden, pastor's like, hey, we're doing this prophetic conference, and now I'm like caught in this tension like, oh no. Yeah, here we go. I can't just stand in the back and judge some other church, some other, like, this is my church. Like, am I okay with this? <laughs> but I show up, 2012. And, and my, my genuine heart was, God, if it's from you, I want it. But if it's man-made, I want nothing to do with it. And so I stand at the back of the sanctuary that weekend, leaning against the wall in this tension oh, of like skepticism. It was a tension of skepticism, but openness. And so I just feel like the anointing, like if that's you and you're yes. not... You know, remember the book of Acts chapter two, chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit yep. first comes? It actually talks about three different types of people. Some were amazed, yes. some mocked, yep. some were perplexed. And so it's okay to be like, I don't understand this. I'm, perfl- I'm perplexed. It's okay to be amazed. But it's dangerous when you start getting to the place where you are mocking like you know mm. better. They thought, you guys are drunk. But it was actually the Holy Spirit. So just be careful. So I was the person, and I just want to encourage you if you're listening, and you're like, man, that's me. I don't know what to think about it. I've never experienced it. Just be open because it is the Holy Spirit's not weird. People can be weird. Yeah. But the power of God is what you've always wanted. Yeah. You've been living in dry Christianity. What you want is the real deal. So I stood at the back and I said, God, if it's from you. There was four prophets that weekend. By the end of the weekend, all four of them spoke over me, and it wasn't generic. Wow. It wasn't like you could have said that about anybody. God's sending you to the nations. Yeah. You're, oh, God wants to bless you. Like, yeah, and he, of course, God could yeah. wants to bless They spoke personal things to me. And then what really sent me over the edge is one of the, like, I'll say apostles of our house, if you don't know what that term, basically just our sending pastor, a leader of leaders. I've used that term before and people get tweaked out because they don't know what apostle means. But basically a leader of leaders, the church we were planted out of, a known entity in our church, he puts his hand on my shoulder and there's no way he would have known this. No way. He puts his hand on my shoulder in front of the whole church, and he says, Craig, you've said in your heart, if it's from God, you want it. 
And if it's from man, you want nothing to do with it. Well, God wants you to know it's from him. So get on board. Come on. Let's go. And so say what you want to say about whether or not prophecy is still real for today. Da, da, da. The fact of the matter is, I heard thousands of sermons in my life. Thousands. And they're all true. Word of God from the Bible. But something happens in your life in a moment when the Spirit of God speaks to you as an individual. Mm. It changes everything. Yeah. And when, the, when God spoke directly to me, I knew it wasn't just a sermon for the masses. That was a word from heaven for me. Come on. And my life was changed. And so, man, do I, do I believe in all of it? Yeah. Can there still be abuses? Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Just like there's false preaching, there's false prophecy, like all of the above. Yeah. But why are we throwing everything out with... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I think the Holy Spirit's real, friends. I and think what you said <laughs> hit it on the head. Lord, if it's you, I want it. And this is something when I first got saved, I was invited to a lot of um, like Bethel churches and very charismatic at the time. Bethel was doing like a church plant. They, they, they shut it down. But I was getting invited to a lot of very heavily charismatic churches. And I'm like brand new, right? And people are manifesting in certain ways I was maybe uncomfortable with. But I remember praying this prayer every time I'd go to these churches and preach, Lord, I don't want to judge, right? And that's why even now I'm very careful about what manifestations I say are God or not. I, I don't ever want to judge something that I don't understand. But because there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. I'm like, I look at Ezekiel. God picked up Ezekiel by his hair <laughs> and brought him around the temple, showing him visions. So I'm kind of like, uh, and then God told one prophet, like I, Isaiah preached naked. And I'm like, Lord, there was a lot of weird stuff totally. laying down all this stuff. That was happening and, and you know jesus put mud in someone's eye and jesus spit so i go lord just because it's unorthodox or weird if it's you i want it if it's not you now we know there are abuses if it's not you i don't want nothing to do with it you guys can keep it but i don't ever want to be in a place where i'm mocking what god is doing yeah, yeah. like i don't want to be a pharisee and i think we become pharisees accidentally like we no one is a pharisee on purpose we're all accidental pharisees when we don't realize like we are uh, mocking the move of God. That's why Paul says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid prophecy. Don't hinder these things. Right. Or Eagerly desire that you'll desire, prophesy. Yeah, or you quench the Holy Spirit. So like, I don't want to be in a place where I've offended the Holy Spirit. And there are, telling you guys right now, not because they call me a heretic, there are Bible teachers and preachers and guys on YouTube right now that you mock the Holy Spirit, you make fun of the Holy Spirit, you joke about the Holy Spirit. And to me, it's going to be an awkward judgment day when you stand before God and God's like, uh, you made fun of me for years. You Because again, awkward. you're not mocking the man. You're not the one casting on demons. I'm not the one casting on demons. I'm not the one healing the sick. You don't heal the sick. It's the Holy Spirit through us that works in power. So it's like, if you're mocking me praying for the sick, let's say, or you casting out a demon, you're actually not mocking me because I'm not the one doing it. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm just an ambassador. I'm a representative. So you're making fun of God. Like that is scary to make fun of God, a righteous, holy, all-powerful God. So for me, I'm at a place even now where I might think like, oh, that's a little bit weird or not my style, but I'm very careful to not get online and start saying, oh, they're, la they're laughing and they're making, and that's not of God. Because to me, it's like, I don't know, maybe it is. So I just want to be in a place of humility going, Lord, yeah. if it's you, I want it. This, and when you said that, man, I wanted to just really key in on that because all of us should be praying, Lord, if this is you, I want it. Like if, the, if deliverance is you, and that's why some people argue with me about deliverance, like I don't believe in it. And I tell people this all the time. Right now in 2023, I am ready 
to stand before God when it comes to deliverance. I'm literally ready to stand before God and say, Jesus, I casted out demons because you casted out demons. I cast out demons because the disciples cast out demons. Like I'm ready to stand before God and say, I believe in this. I have no shame in my game. Romans 1.16, I'm unashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation because I see Jesus doing it. I see the disciples doing it. And so for me, I'm at a place where going, Lord, if it's you, I want it. It might be a little bit weird to me, but if it's you, I want it. I want to be a part of it. So I think we all have to be careful that we don't get to in this place of mocking, of joking about, and even like joking, you know, at times we can laugh and joke but joking and laughing and mocking like prophetic words or healing the sick. And then here's the crazy part. Let me just, I know I talk long, so let me end on this portion. Guys make fun of us for like casting out demons or healing the sick or speaking in tongues. Like there's guys on YouTube right now that go like, you know, should have bought a honey cocoa and they make fun of tongues. And it, it grieves me. It really does. I get like, oh, it feels bad. Then the next sentence, they're like, well, if God wants me to have it, he would give it to me. I'm like, no. If you're mocking tongues, if you're mocking prophecy, if you're mocking casting of demons, it's no wonder you don't see it. And then I read scripture and I'm like, oh, the ones that mock in Revelation, that's actually the Antichrist. The ones that mock are actually demons. If you look at the beast, the Bible says he has mocking and blaspheming mm. over his body. So I'm like, oh, you want to be that? You want to be a part of the beast system who mocks? And even if you get in, like, when you look at deliverance, I know you're involved in it. I'm involved in it. Demons mock. Demons make fun. People say, I hear a voice mocking while the preacher's up there. That's a demon. So why do you want to partner with demons as a Bible preacher? And I know I'm going way off here, uh, but it's like, man, we have to be very careful. And I'm preaching to myself not to mock what we don't understand or what we don't maybe believe in. And so now here you are, you're getting this prophetic word. Now, do you just go, okay, I believe in it now. I'm going to walk in this and I'm open. God, if it's you, I'm open to it. Like what happens after that for you? Yeah. I mean, I'm convinced. Yeah. And it, it, again, it doesn't mean that from that point that I haven't heard things that maybe yeah. weren't totally on or, or, but there's no, there's no more convincing me that it's not real. Yeah. And then, and then like all of a sudden it's like, everybody believes in John 10, like my sheep will hear my voice, but then half these guys don't believe yes. in prophecy. Well, what is that supposed to mean then? Can you hear from God or not? So, uh, I mean, I, I believe it and, um, and we, you know, we see God move. Yeah. And not everything's perfect, but test test the words. Yes. Right? And why would the scripture tell us to test the test the prophecy if it doesn't mean that there can be some that are off? And a lot of times people get thrown off with well, Old Testament, if anybody says anything that's wrong, they're supposed to be, you know, killed or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Yes. And there's a difference between the way the Old Testament in that time people en encountered God. The Holy Spirit didn't live in every person yeah. until the New Testament. And then the, now the veil's torn and every person has the Spirit of God living in them. It's a different time. That's so good. So anyway, um, I just, yeah, I think that people want the fullness of God, yeah. but they, they sometimes, like I was doing... You restrict yourself from what you actually really want. Yeah. And so... Thank God you uh, came around, though. But yeah, you know, I mean, like, one thing that I I haven't really maybe even been ex exposed to or believed in necessarily about was, like, demonic stuff. Yeah. And I've been a pastor for 15 years. And how years. long has that been? So you've been a pastor for 15 years. Yeah. How long has it been since you're like, oh, demons, like, are real. We can cast them out. Deliverance. Like, when would that happen? Just the last few years. Wow. And And what's interesting is, like, I don't want to be the deliverance guy. Yeah. I don't either. Hello, everybody. Hello. Let me zoom in yeah. on myself. Yeah. I'm always like, I'm not the deliverance guy. I just believe in the ministry of Jesus. Right. Right. Like, I hear you, and I've heard you say that, yeah. too. It's like, 
just so everybody is like knows like we're not like oh i want to be the deliverance guy like uh, for me it's awkward it's it's i know i'm not like chasing after that yeah i don't want to be that but if i've come to believe that their demons are real like we're all like they're all over the new testament but they're just all gone now yeah where'd they all go yeah. <laughs> right oh there's no demons in america yeah, turn open, on the TV. Open your eyes. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? They're everywhere. And uh, so I just come to believe, really, there was a few things that, you know, I st- like this one preacher came through and preached for us, and and he was talking about himself going through deliverance. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. You? you? Like, I know you're a spirit-filled, powerful preacher, anointed man of God. Like, you went through deliverance? He's like, absolutely. I was I had the spirit of fear, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Now, now my whole theology is like thrown for a tweak. Yeah, and we start talking about it. We start praying through it, and then what he said to me was, "This is one of the things that convinced me." He said, "Why did Jesus command the, the disciples to cast out demons? Because we all agree, no matter what your background, that we're supposed to preach the gospel and make disciples. Mm. We all know that. So, and that's the most important thing is somebody's salvation. Yes. So, if the most important thing is salvation," If that accomplishes the former, why would Jesus even need to command us to cast out demons? Yeah. And then he says this to me. He goes, I actually think the deliverance is for Christians, not for non-Christians. Yeah. And I'm like, get, wait, you're I'm manifesting. What you're are like, you talking about? What are you talking about? Because before I was like, it's not for Christians. It's for everybody else. He's like, why would you cast out a demon for somebody that doesn't even know the Lord? And then they're just going to get filled again yep. with more. And now everything in my theological mind is tweaked. And I have to, I have to start praying this thing through, thinking this thing through, the dialoguing. And so he's, yeah, he's like, if, if you making somebody a disciple takes care of all that, then just do that. Mm-hmm. But that's just not. And so my mission in life is not to convince you that a christian can be possessed it's not to convince you about any term yeah i don't it doesn't matter to me if it's attacked afflicted oppressed like the really you know you've taught on this a lot yeah the biblical word is demonized yeah my point is this if there is any spirit that's not the holy spirit affecting you to any degree from the outside however you want to describe it it doesn't belong Mm. that's good and what we're seeing in culture right now is is the devil is like out there yes everywhere hollywood music movies like he's not even trying to hide it anymore mm-hmm. before it was like the best trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist now he's like put me on the shoe put yes. me on the song like i'm here and if we're not careful we're going to entertain demons without him being aware of it yeah and and it's like so i'm not trying to be a deliverance guy i just think i want you to be healed and healing requires healing not deliverance and i want you to be free and deliverance requires deliverance not healing and yeah. i want you to be discipled and de- right yeah so it's everything that god has for you for me i want everything that god has for you i want and so we can't just pick and choose what we want yeah god whatever and I god think you can't ignore like everywhere jesus went he dealt with demons and that was back then now it's like way worse and i think <laughs> why we're seeing a rise of the deliverance and for me it was at the end of 2020 when the lord was like i want you to teach on this my church is not trained not equipped like do you want this assignment if you don't want it just tell me but i need i need you to do this and i'm like yes lord of course i thought it would be one week turned into like a whole year of teaching but my my whole thing was why now why is deliverance seem to be so popular so relevant which i'm excited about i want all these guys to preach on it and do it but i'm also seeing okay 
whenever the enemy raises up and rises up a standard, so does God. Like God's not just going to let the enemy do his thing and sit back. Like anytime the whole book of Judges, what happened? The people were in bondage. So God's response was, I'm going to rise up a judge, which is literally a deliverer. They would deliver the people. And there's, I think, what, seven or eight judges in the book of Judges. The whole book is about God's get people getting delivered by a, a deliverer, right? In the Old Testament. And then Moses, the greatest deliverer. But why was it? It was when people were in bondage. Now, our generation is in bondage like never before. So if you see a generation in bondage like never before, we can go on and on. I mean, we could list a million things going on in culture of de people being demonized, the devil demonizing people. What What's going to combat that? It's not just going to be, oh, we're just going to you tell them Jesus loves them. We're just going to... Those things are all great. Yeah, it's Preaching, true. Preaching, discipleship, healing, uh, small groups, church planning. All of that is amazing and great, but none of that gets a demon out. Yeah, yeah. It's not God's prescription. I think that people need to understand that we have three enemies. It's called the triad of evil. And, and what... The problem is if you're fighting a battle against the wrong enemy, you're going to lose every time. So we yes. have to understand that our enemies are the flesh, the world, and the devil, or... Yep. Not specifically Satan, but like all of the spiritual powers of darkness. Yes. I include in that. So you have to recognize like sometimes you don't need a demon. It's your flesh and you got to deal yes. with flesh. But it's not always that, right? So it's the world. It's the flesh, the world, and the spiritual powers of darkness. We have to recognize that there's different enemies that we fight and we have to address all of them and yeah. not just turn a blind eye to one or two of them. Yeah, and they're all equally important. I think as far as deliverance, like that's God's prescription. So for the guys that say, oh, you don't need to cast out demons anymore, I'm sorry to say, but you're telling us your prescription's better than God's. Like, you know better than God. Jesus says, go cast out demons. The book of Acts, they went and cast out demons. Now you're saying, I know more and better than God. We don't need this anymore. When in reality, we need this more than ever before because of culture, because the devil's turned up the heat, because we all know this. As we get closer to the coming of Christ, things, if you just, if you don't believe me, just go read the book of Revelation. They don't get better. They get worse. Like that's, that is what the Bible teaches. The worst things are going to get, and then Christ is going to return. So I think, man, we massively need deliverance now. I'm so grateful that God is waking people up like you, pastors and leaders that are like, yeah, I didn't really worry about this or care about it, but now I'm like, oh, we kind of need this. People are in bondage in our churches, and I don't want to be what John 10 would call like a coward. I don't want to be a hireling. If you look at the, in John 10, the hireling versus the true shepherd. The hireling, this is the characteristic, runs from the wolf. He doesn't fight. He's he's right. a coward. When the devil comes, he runs. And then the man that cares for the sheep, the true shepherd, is like, no, no, no. This isn't about money for me. I'm going to protect and fight for the sheep. Right. So, like, we are called to fight for God's people. So, I'm so excited about that. Um, Can I just throw in one yeah, little piece? I, this is just a, a theory. I don't know. Call it a, a prophetic hunch, just from my opinion. I think one reason why... It is go why we're just going to see it more, and you, you're either going to get on board or you're not as a minister. I think one reason is because the culture, like the Christian, no longer has the moral position of authority in our culture. Yep. Like in the 50s, even if somebody was like, oh, I don't agree or I don't like really want to surrender my life to that, there was this natural like, oh, the pastor's they're more mm. they're moral or the Christians, yeah, we all know the Christians li live better, but we're living in an age where they're calling good things evil and evil things good. Yep. Like literally the culture right now doesn't believe our book, has no interest in our book, 
and they think that we're hypocrites. Mm. So, so like we don't come like the Christian doesn't stand in this position of like natural moral authority in the eyes of the culture. I'm not saying that we don't because God's ways do, but in the eyes of the culture, yes. there's not like this like, oh yeah, your way is true, but I just want to do my thing. They, there's no position where they're like, they don't care about our book, our preaching. Well, well the Bible says, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't mm. believe in it. That's what the culture's opinion is. So this is my, just my hunch and my opinion. What the world can't deny is when they finally realize that they're living in misery that their mm. philosophy, that their ideology, that their practice, whether it be sexual or addiction or whatever it is, their politics, leave them in torment, and there's nothing that's going to fix it, no pill, not, not another 21 steps to a better life, not yep. another whatever. I think that, God, that, that in some ways, their darkness, the grace of God is going to be when they see a manifestation of power happen. Yep. It's going to convince them in a way that me saying, yeah, but the Bible says, and, and 10,000 of my sermons didn't convince them because mm. they didn't care, but they're going to see the power of God finally in a way that they haven't. And when their eyes are open to that, they're That's going to say, so I can't deny it. That's so because good. Because here's the thing. It's one of the reasons why I promoted this movie a while back called Nefarious. Yeah. People just got mad, like, that's evil, demonic, and I'm like, listen, you need to open your eyes. I promoted this movie because I, I believe that what it, but anyway, their whole thing was, if we can convince the world that demons are real, they're more likely to believe that God is real. Yeah. And I believe, it's yeah. true. So, the life that the culture is living right now is going to crash and burn. Yeah. And when God shows up in power and they surrender to a, a deliverance or healing in, in like a powerful way, that's what's going to convince them. I think a lot of people, not just, well, me preaching. Yeah. Because their their ears are deafened to that. Yeah. And you look at like John 10, where Jesus says, if you don't believe in me, believe in the signs and wonders and miracles and follow that know that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. There's real demonstration. And we always say, and this is kind of a cliche of like, we don't need another definition. We need a demonstration, right? We need like a demonstration of what we're preaching. And the Bible is full of demonstration. Uh, for whatever reason, I think it's because of powerless preachers, pastors that don't pray, uh, bad theology. We have this idea like demonstration's bad. We don't need that. And I'm thinking, Jesus did it demonstration everywhere he went. He didn't just preach the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. Right, right. And the disciples the same way. The Bible says that the signs and wonders followed and validated the word that they spoke. And so the casting out of demons that God reigns supreme again, uh, over, over suicide, over depression, over anxiety. I have, and I'm sure you have plenty of this, celebrities hit me up and big time influencers that I won't name hit me up all the time. Like, I have a demon. There's a voice talking to me. I need to get free. The road they're using to get to the cross is I need freedom, which leads me to tell them, hey, that's amazing. I will Zoom pray for you. We'll jump on Zoom. And I've done this with NFL players, NBA players, but... You actually need more than deliverance. You need Jesus. This is great. And this is what Jesus does. But I'm not going to command the spirit out of you if you're not willing to surrender your life to Jesus. Right. Some do, some don't. Some have gotten saved because they had a demon and the devil overplayed his hand and the devil led them to the cross. Mm. If you look at scripture and this sounds blasphemous, I already know all the heresy hunters are going to clip this. They're fresh out of content. So they're going to take this. <laughs> who, who brought Jesus to the cross? The devil. The devil was the one that influenced the Pharisees, that filled the disciples to lie and fill Judas to get Jesus to the cross. So the devil brought Jesus. The Bible says if the devil knew what he was doing, they would have never crucified Jesus ever. If the devil knew this would be his greatest defeat. Oftentimes, 
It's actually what the devil does in our life that leads us to the cross. If it wasn't for me being anxious and depressed and all the stuff I went through, I wouldn't have surrendered my life to God that day. Huh. A lot of people come to God because of a drug addiction, because of an alcohol, they're alcoholics, or because they're anxious, depressed, suicidal. A lot of people in the chat, their story is, I was bound and I needed to get free and I came to God. So it was actually what the devil did in my life that brought me to the cross, huh. just like in scripture, which again, people say the devil brought Jesus to the cross. Yeah, it was the Pharisees, the religious people that were full of the devil that brought Jesus to the cross. And so a lot of times deliverance is a gateway, healing. Someone has cancer, they get healed, they serve God after. We hear that story all the time. Right. And so all these things matter. Jesus did this, the disciples did this. It's hard to argue that this isn't for today when it's all through scripture. Of course, there's no scripture that says it's not for today. So I'm glad that, man, God is doing something with you. How do you go from, okay, so you went through Bible college, you went through that season, now you're like, okay, I believe in the gifts. Now you're at a place where you, you believe in deliverance. You believe in the full thing, like the full Bible. Yeah. How do you start, I know we're an hour and like 10 minutes in, but how do you start the online? Talk to us now about where you're at, how did you start going online? Because you have a one point, I think you said six or seven million followers on TikTok. Talk to us about the launch of that, and then we'll pray for the chat after we talk about a little bit of the online. Okay, yeah. Because um, you were just a regular pastor. Yeah. And now you're now you're mostly doing digital stuff, but also pastoring. Yeah. How did the online stuff start? Honestly, it was it was a, a little different story. It was a season of this this insecurity that's going on in me in like 2016, 17, 18, 19, where I'm just like, everything on the outside is good. Married to a beautiful woman, kids, house, you know, the church is growing, my ministry is growing, like everything's good on the outside, but on the inside I'm feeling like comparison, jealousy, mm. a lot of just really like spiritual cancer. And ironically, it had to do a lot with social media. Like if, if, you know, this preacher, that preacher was going and getting an invitation over here, over there. I'm feeling like, why am I not getting that invitation? Mm. And, and so I had to get to this place with the Lord where I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm not, I'm not this person or that person. Like, who have you made me to be? And I just simply asked, I said, hey, what's one thing that you want me to do to add value to the world? And I felt like he just said, I just want you to show people how to read the Bible. Mm. And he used uh, this friend of ours in my life where me and my wife will travel with her, her, her and her husband once a year, usually like for a week. And then in the morning, I wake up with my pen and my Bible and I underline and squiggly and circle and box and take notes. And she sits next to me and she goes, man, I wish I could sit next to you every morning when you read your Bible just to know, like, why do you underline? Why do you squiggly? And then she said this, us normal people don't always just know how to read the Bible. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you've been a Christian for like 10 years, and I know so many people that really follow God and they love God, but they don't know how to read the Bible, engage with the Bible because it's so big, they don't understand it, they don't have a degree in theology. And I'm just like, this is food I eat every day. Mm. Like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't spend time with God every day. And let me just say this little caveat real quick. If you read the Bible and you think, I didn't get anything out of it, guess what? You don't remember what you ate last Tuesday either, but it sustained you. Come on. There's going to be some days where you go to the steakhouse and get a great meal you remember, but the food you eat every day sustains you. So read God's word every day, and even if you don't get anything out of it or remember it, like, it's going to feed you. Nevertheless, so I move so on. Good. So I just, like, sovereignly, like you, before COVID, I felt like God said at the end of 2019... I want you to show people how to read the Bible on YouTube. 
I don't know if you knew this or not, but mm. I started on YouTube. No, I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know your social media journey. Yeah, so I didn't have any any social media anything, but I knew that I could figure out a way to show me and to show the scripture on the screen by screen recording my iPad. I wanted people to see the Bible, and then I started filming one video a day, starting January first, twenty twenty. And it was the first time I started the exact same time. Did we? I started January 1st, 2020. Yeah. It was the first time in my ministry life where I clearly heard God say, I don't care if you think it's bearing fruit. I don't care if more than one person watches. I want you to do it every single day. Wow. And it was like an extra hour of work for me every day, filming and doing this. At the time, it was so, it was my phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, not like no special lights, no nothing. I just was walking in obedience. And Isaiah, I'm telling you, it didn't blow up. There was hardly <laughs> 10 views, 15 views, 20 views. Your wife watching it four or five times. Exactly. <laughs> it was like hardly anything. But I was just doing what God asked me to Come do. Come on. And I kept doing it. And then the pandemic hits, COVID, all this. And then we download this app called TikTok. Because, and we're just laughing, watching videos like everybody at that time in quarantine. And then by about June, I'm like, man, I wonder if I can get some of these TikTok people to come to YouTube. And then all I did was like, oh, I just changed my video, make it a minute, make it vertical, put the scripture below me, whatever. And I post a video, and the second video I posted went viral. All I did was read Philippians 4, 6, and 7 about anxiety and prayer. Turns out everybody had some of that <laughs> back then, still do. And uh, and so two, 200,000 views in like two days. And I'm like, all I wow. did was read the Bible on TikTok. Like people dance and shake yeah. their booties and like what people are actually interested in god's word and what i thought was like trying to get people to come over here it just took off and after a little while like two weeks i had like eight thousand followers and i thought at the time that's insane yeah like that was incredible and i had this friend he goes he goes dude i think if you keep doing this you could have like a hundred thousand followers and i was like yeah right like all i'm doing is preaching jesus and teaching the bible there's no way and then we hit it we hit a million after 13 months wow and Eventually, I added um, Instagram, and I finished the year as th- through getting COVID. Every single day, I posted in 2020 on YouTube, and then I had to stop doing that because I was working at a church and all that was just so much. And I kept posting every single day on TikTok, added Instagram. So pretty much since like June 9th, 2020, I've posted almost every single day, wow. two to three times a day, on TikTok, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, and. Amazing. Basically, by the end of 2021, we were just looking at like not just the numbers, the big numbers, which is incredible, but like the people asking real questions like, yeah. how do I get saved? How do I know I have the Holy Spirit? Like real questions that as a pastor, we're like waiting for somebody, just one person to walk off the street and say, how do I know God? Yeah. Like, and now it's like happening by the tens, hundreds, thousands. And, and originally, it's like, this is just online. It's just like an app. It's like, is this real? And then I'm realizing just because it's digital doesn't mean that's not a real person yes. asking a real question. And so now we're seeing millions of people are seeing the content, but we're seeing hundreds of people make commitments to Jesus every Amazing. month. And we're starting to develop how do we take them in the next, the next step in their discipleship. But I'll just add this, and then I'll close. Because I'm a local church guy, I think one reason why God has me doing this I'm still an elder, pastor, preacher at my local church. I still run my small group at my local church because I believe in real, tangible faith community. I think one reason he has me doing what I'm doing online is because everybody's online. It's not going away. 
it's a really great supplement. It's not a substitute. Mm. So follow Revival Lifestyle. Like get the teaching, all the stuff, but find a good local church, a spirit-filled Bible-believing local yes. church because we need both. So I love that. That's my story. I love that. What a story, Let man. Me oh, can I just yeah, add one yeah, more thing? Go ahead, go ahead. Just one more thing. Not everybody is called to be TikTok famous, to be huge on YouTube, to be whatever. What you need to do above anything else in your life is obey God. Whatever he's called you to do, don't do something because Isaiah is doing it. Don't do something because it's popular and you can be famous. Being famous is not the end goal. If you become famous outside of God's will for your life, you failed. If you do what this guy's doing or that guy's doing, but it's not what God's called you to do, that's failure. Success in the kingdom is obedience to God's call in your life. So don't just try and do what somebody else is doing. Listen to the Holy Spirit and say, I will obey you whatever you ask. That's my opinion. So That's good. That's success. Man, this has flown by an hour and 15 minutes. We're like, we're going to go like about an hour 40, and our wives yeah. are at the house waiting for <laughs> yeah. us. We're going to go hang They're out They're like, come stuff. home and so we yeah, yeah. So we got to get some stuff done. But I want you to, before we go, pray for the chat. Guys, we're going to pray. Those of you that are in that religion, you're on the fence. Maybe you're just going through the motions. We're going to pray for you. Uh, Pastor Craig is. And then we'll see where they can find you. I have your YouTube channel linked in the description. And we'll do like a little outro and let you guys give and stuff like that. So go for it. Let's pray you for the people. You want me to pray right now? Yeah. All right. Go this is going to be my prayer. I'm going to tell you before I pray because I want you your faith to opt in. The call upon my life and the, our ministry is that we're trying to help the world have a reasonable response to the reality of God. So I just want you to ask yourself right now, does my faith, does my practice, does my life accurately like represent the God of the universe who's holy above everything? In other words, when you think about the things you pursue, the things you love, the things that you go after, the way that you view money or sex or drink or substance or position or whatever, do you chase after other things more than you chase after the most glorious God of the universe? Because if you do, you need to change. You need to surrender and repent because there's nothing that's more important than following God with your life. You can go after a job and money and all those things, but they have to be subservient to the most important thing, which is following God with your whole life. So if you recognize right now that you have not put God, if I could say it like this, who sits on the throne in your life? Mm. Is it you? Is it money? Is it that girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, whatever? God should sit on the throne of your life. He should be your supreme authority. So if you have not been living that way, but you know right now you're being convicted, not by a couple YouTubers, but you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit Come on. that you need to make him number one in your life, this prayer is for you. So I'm going to pray that God will, will uh, encounter you, but you need to respond with your faith, with repentance to say, God, I'm stepping off the throne and I want you to be the supreme authority in my life. And I know that God will change you from the inside out. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's watching this and for especially for those that not just out of outward action, but in their heart, they're responding. They're, they're being convicted. You convict both of sin and of righteousness. They're not just responding to some preacher twisting their arm, but they recognize that you are saying, I want you, son. I want you, daughter. I don't just want you to do things for me. I want to live in your heart in a real way and lead your life. And so I pray for every person that's responding that way, Lord, that you would fill their life as they surrender to you in faith, not by works, it's by grace through faith, that they would receive you in real faith, and that from that place of relationship, that the response of their life would be, I live in a way that's reasonable to who you are, and I'm going to live for you all in. I'm going to die to the old man, the old woman, and I'm going to live for you. 
So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fill them, that you'd draw them to you, and that you'd lead them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a powerful podcast. Where can they find you? Um, I have your YouTube link. Is there anywhere else or a website or any events you have you want to announce? Yeah, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find me at A. Craig Brown. That's the username on all of those. A. Craig Brown. And then you can find us at logicostministries.com. And then I have a podcast called The Theomatic Podcast. And we're filming a new series called Conversations in Contrast, which I'm excited to interview hey, Isaiah tomorrow. And that one's very unique. Those conversations are specifically about pain and struggle. Mm. Because, Isaiah, I think with, with the good that people are doing online, one thing that we're unintentionally convincing a generation of, because social media is so filtered, is that Everybody else's life is perfect. I know mm. my life isn't. I know I can never be used by God in the way that you are. Wow. So maybe your life has been perfect and easy and, and all that, or you've been through some struggle. Yeah. So let me just frame it like this. If some 16-year-old rolled up to King David in his prime and says, yeah, well, look at your life, of course. You're the king. You got the castle. You got the money. Your life is perfect. And David's like, oh, son, yeah. let me tell you about 15 years of living hell because I've been through it. And so what I've found is that there's a making of a man or a woman of God through adversary, sorrow, suffering, and struggle. We're not elevating those things, but we're pulling back the curtain to let people know that when you go through something, it doesn't mean God is void in your life. It might mean that God might be making you through the struggle. So anyway, the Theomatic Podcast and this When's new this series. When is this new one series The series is going to come out in the fall. Okay. We're literally On traveling. What? YouTube? Is, yeah, YouTube okay. and then all the all the podcast platforms okay. under the Theomatic Podcast. Gotcha. So yeah, those are basically ways so you can find So him and his me. family are in an RV traveling just down the entire West Coast. Is that yeah. right? Seattle to San Diego. Yep, filming people, doing yeah. this podcast in the RV. I love it. It's you guys crazy. have turned the RV into a podcast studio. That's yeah. so cool. I love this, guys. Um, I want to put up the giving link as well, guys. I'm going to sew into him and his family after this broadcast, so please make sure you sew into this. And then if there's any burning questions you have, now would be the time because we're going to stay on for just a couple minutes while you guys register your giving, and then I need to... Uh, we got stuff we got to do tonight, so we're going to be getting off here. <laughs> Usually we go like two and a half hours, but I'm like, oh, we got stuff we got to get done yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of stuff going on. They're really busy going from place to place recording, and they haven't even gotten situated yet, so we're going to go get situated. But let us know, guys, what you thought about the podcast. Yes, in an RV. Amazing, in an RV. Um, yeah, go ahead and let us know, and then I'll read. Jim, thank you so much. I won't read all the donations tonight. You guys can give on Venmo. Scan the QR code. All the links. You guys already know where all the links are. We've done this so many times. So go ahead and give there. The mods are also putting it there. Awesome. Where will you be? Okay, so in San Diego, these are not public things that you guys are doing. So there, like, there's no... Oh yeah. Are you doing any public events uh, on this trip? Let me, yeah, let me say, like, why I, I preached in Medford, and basically for the rest of the tour from here, we're going to be between San Francisco and San Diego. Okay. Um, you know, I'm available for church service, conference, whatever. Um, if there's anybody that's like, hey, come through, whether it's a weekend church service or youth or young adults, like, I'm happy to come preach at an event, reach out. Um, but I don't think we have anything else formally set up that are public events. Okay. Um, but at this point so okay our chat froze so there's our sign <laughs> there it is oh no just kidding it didn't okay so that's that guys he'll be posting wherever events he has and you guys can know um all right let's see how can a christian have evil spirits living in them i have tons of videos on this guys you can go to my channel i have like five videos of how a christian can 
have a demon, know they can't be possessed for the seven millionth time. <laughs> tell your pastor, tell the heretic hunters, heresy hunters, no, a Christian cannot be possessed, but you can find where I give scripture on how, yes, a Christian can have an evil spirit and get delivered from it. It's so weird when people don't believe that. I'm like, so I have to become, if I have a demon and I'm a Christian, I have to now become an unbeliever so that I can go through deliverance because only unbelievers get deliverance. Like, how is that even, that's a whole nother sermon. All right. What's your take on Pokemon cards? Ah, uh, I mean, I'm 32, so I don't have any Pokemon <laughs> cards. <laughs> Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Oh, you told your age. You Amen. told your age. Yeah. There's his uh, YouTube channel. Thank you, mods. Okay, anything else you guys got for us? Again, thank you, Jim. Guys, pray about donating. This is a free, all of our content is free. Don't dine and dash. If you don't know what that means, that means you go to Denny's, you eat, and then you run before you get the bill. You run outside the door, and then the cops chase you. Don't do that. Don't dine and dash. If you've been fed tonight, just so, if you're able to, the link's on the screen, and you can give, and I'm going to sow into his ministry as I do oh. all my guests. Every guest I bring on, none of them ask for anything, but I want to make sure I sow into every one of them. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Is it biblical to protect yourself with a gun? I mean, Jesus <laughs> did tell them to bring swords, so I, I have no problem. Listen, I have four girls. If you come in my house, you're probably going to meet me plus a 12-gauge. So just that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with it. I think it is biblical to protect yourself. Um, you might you might differ, but that's where I'm at. Bro, I live in North Idaho. Okay, so yeah. People open carry in my church. Okay, then you're good. <laughs> then you know his answer. I think that there, I'll just say this, For in my opinion, there's there's a big difference between protecting your family and your sheep and your flock from something and laying your life down for the gospel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Absolutely. you come up in my house, I'm sorry, but yes. I'm protecting my family. Lead them through the sinner's prayer real quick, and then you meet the 12 gauge. Okay. Do you support <laughs> women in ministry? Do you support women in ministry? I do. What is your take on? I mean, yeah, I'm sure you do too. I'm, I'm all for open carry. Yeah, I'm out in California, so y'all think I'm a soft little California snowflake, but no, we don't we don't play around here. We don't play around California here. California is so weird, man. There's some I, oh, different... Oh, dude. Wait till you go to San Francisco. You haven't even seen it yet. Oh, Wait boy. till you go to San Francisco. You won't know what is happening. She keeps... At, let me just address her. Uh, yeah. Indy, we've already been in Seattle. Sorry. Uh, we started in Seattle. We're all the way through Central California now, and so we're only going south from here. But come on over to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, if you want, and... Uh, Come to our church there. What's the name of your church? How do they find your church? Yeah, there's no hiding it for me. I know you're you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, well, they know my church. They just don't know where yeah. I live. I don't live in the same city as. My I church. live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Our church is called Heart of the City Church. You can find us Heart right there in the, the middle city. of town. And uh, I'll be preaching there at the end of August, the 26th and 27th, when we're gonna roll back in to town, and I'll be preaching. So hey. come and see us, Heart of the City. My niece said, he, who's listening, he's not a soft California snowflake. He's my Nino. Oh, I love you, Polaris. That's, that's Nico's daughter. Aww. How old is Polaris? Six. That's a six-year-old saying that's my Nino. Isaiah is a Californian with Texas, Texas principles. Yes. Trust me, if God let me move to Texas or Florida or one of these states, I would. But you know what? There's a remnant out here in California. Is NIV a Bible reliable? I mean, there's a couple things that I'm not a fan of on the NIV, but for the most part, you're fine. I read the ESV, NLT, or the New King James, but... You'll be good. You're not going to go to hell of reading the NIV. Where did you get your hat from? Someone wants to know. Oh, mine. This is from our church. This is this is the says holy to the Lord, which is what God commanded the priests to put on their breastplate and on That's their awesome. turbans. And it's so it's it's this it's it's our worship team's like logo. Okay. That's sick. Is it Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost? It's either one. Ghost means spirit. So Holy Ghost is the old King James, which ghost just means spirit, and Holy Spirit is a new translation, which is what the word ghost is. Yeah. So yeah, ghost just means spirit. 
Um, uh, let's see. Okay. I think we're going to call it here, guys. We've had an awesome time with you guys. Thank you, bro, for being yeah. on the podcast. Oh, thank you, man. What I'm excited to be on your podcast and do more stuff together in the future. Yeah. I'm glad we can make it happen. Yeah. We're going to hang out with the family, guys. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. We have no outro screen tonight because we're in a hurry, but we do love you guys. And we'll see you in the next one. Yeah. God bless. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.